Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. Let's go to Mike. He wants to talk about mortgage rates in Boston. Hi, Mike. Hi, Steve. I'm looking to purchase a home soon. Is it worth taking advantage of these interest rates if I'm just going to be putting the money toward an overvalued home? And provides unbiased answers. So I'm saying you won't lose any money. You're in a cheap money that you're investing on a 30-year mortgage. And if you hold it long enough, you'll work out just fine for you. Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. If I wanted to find out the average price of a stock, say like over a 10-year period on a chart. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. And on today's program and podcast, we'll operate under the same mission statement we have been spouting for years independent thinking and shared success. And of course, that is your assurance that we will provide solid market reporting, good explanations about any questions that you ask. We'll help with education as best we can on the show. And of course, our stock commentary is, I would say, we can't get deeply into any one stock. We can only brush the top numbers but it will be accurate. All information will be accurate. So that's what we're going to do today as we do every day. We do it without a bias. We don't buy data. We don't owe anybody anything. You know, a lot of registered investment advisors and managers, you know, they are they have to they have to do what they're told if they have a huge um, if they have a relationship with a huge custodian. Because this custodian doesn't necessarily you know, want them to say negative things about certain stocks that they support. So you've got to be careful. You want someone who's independent. So that's what we do. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. This is a live streaming program right now and also on KDOW out of San Francisco. Uh, and, you know, of course, we'll be podcasting right after the show. This whole show will be a podcast without the commercials immediately after the show. So, I'm ready for your calls. 888-99-CHARTER is our number, 888-992-4278. So let's go ahead and get started with the first question. Dave from Minnesota, and I have a question about Fortuna Silver Mines. They recently acquired a mine or a mining company in South Africa, and it took a really big dip. So I'm wondering how you see this affecting the stock in the future and if I should just hold on or if I should sell it. Thanks. Bye. Well, of course, when one company buys another company, there's costs associated with it. Um, they're hoping the the combi- combination of the two companies will give them much better buying power, much better uh, cash flow, much higher profits down the road. But initially, there's a cost involved in here. And so what they acquired uh, Rocks Gold Inc. for 0.283 shares. The $6.21 stocks, Fortuna is. So 0.283 shares uh, in common shares for each Rocks Gold share. So they're going to have to issue more shares, aren't they? That drives immediately 
earnings per share down, right? Now, but going forward, it's accretive if, you know, this is a silver mining operation. It's accretive to the bottom line of sales and earnings if sales pick up dramatically, and they probably will. So that's what you're dealing with. If you like Fortuna Silver Mines, okay, at $6.21, and it's going to make $0.68 next year, giving it a 10 PE or so, and you then do your research on Rocks Gold, com, Rocks Gold uh, Inc., Rocks Gold Inc., and you like that company, then you like the combination, then you don't have any worries. Keep it. It's only a temporary setback if things work out like they hope. Now you got to figure out, well, did they pay too much for the company? Is it going to produce a lot of money? That, that's the research you have to do. I can't do it here on the show. That takes a lot of work. Thanks for the question. Everyone has a different idea of what they need to achieve financial freedom, what they need to achieve it, the freedom to make any decisions they want. They can work or not work. That's financial freedom to me. So you have to start early. you gotta, you got to save and you got to invest. So let's see if we can give you the, pri- the proper information, the good information to make that money go, the strategies you might need. Make that money grow. We want it growing. So... Got to deal with the volatility as always. Give me a call. We'll talk about it. 888-99-CHART. Today's trivia question concerns credit cards. Credit cards. Most Americans use them. I use them, but I don't carry any credit month to month. I don't. No debt. No credit card debt month to month. But I use them. But what happens if you see an erroneous charge on your credit card? That's going to be the trivia question today. How did the market do? Not very good. The Dow was up 97. The um, the um, the uh, S&P was up 3, but the NASDAQ was down 51. Down 51. So, uh, you know, NASDAQ has really done poorly the last two days, while the NASDAQ has gone up in the last two days. Not tremendously, but in the opposite direction. That's a clear sign. Clear sign that what Justin and I have been talking about for some time, that there's a handoff from growth to value stocks. And you've seen it most of this year. And it's still happening. Now, it doesn't mean growth is not going to work. It just means it's not going to work as well. And this is pretty obvious. So that's what the market did today. Um, the earnings are very good. The economy is starting to per- percolate. The government's spending more money. Interest rates are going to stay low. So all those factors, you know, mean that the economy is going to continue and profits are going to rise for corporations. So that's not, that doesn't mean stocks are going down. Now, I think you're going to see volatility. Do I think we have a a correction in our future? Yes. We always have a correction in our future. It's just a matter of when and how much. I think it's going to be, hmm, there's that old saying, go away in May. So I, I can see us having it in June, July. You know, a correction, 10% would be normal. We haven't seen too many normal corrections. Usually they're lower. But we've seen them, and, you know, they, a correction can be anything, anything not more than 20% fall from the high. A 20% fall from the high is still a correction. You go to 21, you're in a bear market. That's the quote-unquote official definition. Okay? So... You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. Are we ready to take your questions anytime you want? 
You, you know, did you see what happened with some of the economic numbers? I'm going to report on that today. Some of the numbers we've seen shortly. Uh, it is May and summer is approaching everybody. You know what that means for the stock market? You know, the market itself has seasonalities. So, with all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that during times of market uncertainty, you cannot afford to backslide. You still have to save for your retirement. So give me a call. We'll talk about it. 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Andreas in Riverside. Andreas. Hey, Steve. Yeah, I was wondering, I wanted to get your thoughts on um, BioRad Labs. Um, it, okay. They seem to be, uh, the price seems to have dropped recently. And looking at the PE, and looks pretty good, but I don't know if this is a trailing PE or a forward PE. Earnings per share seem good from my end, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll give you the trailing and forward PE. Uh, Bio, B-I-O is a symbol, BioRad Labs, Inc. It's a big company, almost $18 billion in size. So it's a big company. Doesn't pay a dividend. Develops auto Develops automated test systems, test kits, instruments used in clinical, diagnostic, life science, and research. So that's a pretty good area to be in. Uh, it's a $601 stock. That's a pretty high price. And I know people in their head say, well, that's a high price stock. But that's not how you should look at it. You should look at it in relationships to its earnings. Always do that. What if it made $600 a share? Would a $600 stock price be high? That would be a PE of one. No, it would be low, wouldn't it? So it all relates back to earnings. So uh, as, you, as you said, the last one, two, three, four, five, six days it's been falling. Not sure why. Uh, in 2020, it made $10.52 a share. It's got a high of $648 a share. Remember, it's at 602 now. So it's like $47 off its high. 2021 is going to make $12.36. That's 17% higher. And 2022 is going to make the same, only a penny more. Not sure why that's the case. Might be because of all the testing going on with COVID. I don't know if, you know, they, you know, if they're benefiting from that. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the stock. But sales went up 26% in the December quarter last year and 27% in this most recent March quarter. A year ago, their sales were growing three, four, five percent. So, obviously, they maybe they purchased another company. Everybody, see, you can't just take the number and say, "Oh, it just did great." What if they purchased another company? And that's why the sales are going. You see, so you got to you got to take all that in consideration. Um, their PE right now is forty three. Going forward, you know, with make, with a six hundred one dollar stock, let me turn that on. 601 and divide that by next year's earnings, 12.37, and you get, oh, shoot, 601. Never fails. You know, the time I want to do something quick, I hit the wrong button on the stupid calculator. <laughs> That's just my life. 37 equals 
Okay, so it's pretty reasonable for, I mean, it's only about 40 going forward. So it's not like, it's about, you know, it's 40. Remember, its range is 36 to 195. If it can keep up those sales growth, this stock should keep going up. Should, should, it should. And, uh, but if it doesn't keep up that sales growth, you know, you're going to have problems with it. Okay, Andreas? Uh, so if you own it, I don't know if I'd buy more on buy. I certainly wouldn't sell it at this point yet. Let's go to Taylor in Philadelphia. How you doing, Taylor? Hey, how's it going, Steve? Thanks. Good. Um, I'm looking at ETRN Equitrans um, Midstream. I'm looking mm-hmm. for a natural gas play. Uh, it also has a pretty high dividend, but I'm wondering if that's maybe too good to be true. Yeah, these natural gas plays, their dividends are pretty volatile, so you can't really rely on them very well. This is uh, Equitrans Midstream ETRN, engaged in natural gas transmission, storage, gathering systems in the United States. They're going to make, uh, they made $1.29 a share last year. This year, they're only going to make $0.86. Cents. Next year, $1.15. The sales have been shrinking the last four quarters. I don't know why. Uh, it's a fairly new company out in 2018. I don't know why sales would be shrinking. I would think they would turn around, especially in the most recent March quarter, with the economy starting to turn around. You would think it would start to turn around. It's a very low-priced stock. Going to make a dollar fifteen next year, and it's an eight-dollar stock. I mean, that's a seven PE. That's pretty low. So, and return on equity is pretty high, twenty-six percent. Cash flow is very strong. I think for a while they'll be able to pay that dividend, the seven point and a half, seven and a half percent. Um, if well, you're going to buy it, just looking at it for capital appreciation, would you take it then? You're not going to go high. It probably will return to the eleven dollar area. It probably so you'll get some capital appreciation. I'm assuming with the economy is taken off and more demand on natural gas, therefore they'll probably get more, make more money. Uh, I, I think it'll go up to eleven dollars, maybe twelve. That's a pretty good return. 40, 50%. So I think you got a shot at it, yes. But don't rely on that dividend. These natural gas plays generally are not consistent. Thanks for the call, Taylor. I appreciate it. My focus point today concerns a question. What's ahead for the energy sector? So we're going to talk about that. Some investors tend to disregard the energy sector. I don't know if you should. I really don't. I'll get into that. I really will. We're here headed into a break. Please call me with your questions now, 888-99-CHART. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is uh, Greg from Clearwater, Florida. If I wanted to find out the average price of a stock, say like over a 10-year period on a chart, would I uh, bring up the chart Set it for a 200-day moving average because I guess that's what a, a year would show, and then set it on uh, daily, weekly, or monthly. What would give me the average price of that stock? 
I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I want to know the average price of a stock over a 10-year period. How would I set that up on a chart? Thank you. You probably can't do it on a chart. Why? Because when you set, to go back 10 years, you probably had to set it to monthly, and that gives you a monthly price. The only time that gives you a daily price is when you hit daily on it, and you probably can't go back 10 years on a daily price because that data is, is, is a mammoth over 10 years, a lot of data. And even the chart, it won't give you an average. That won't tell you what the average is. So um, most people don't want that information or don't use it. Um, you can get a range. They'll tell you the high and the low in a particular year and the earnings of that particular year. But you want an average price over 10 years. That would be, uh, I think that would be difficult. I'm sure I have it somewhere in my data, but there would be no reason. No reason to get it, so I, I want to look for it. I don't, I don't see that. I, I don't see why you would want it and what you would, why you would use it. I want to call me and we'll talk about why you want it and what you're using it for. Okay, thanks for the call, though. I appreciate it. Okay, uh, my focus point today: what's ahead for the energy sector? Uh, you know, uh, you've heard me express my opinions on the energy sector. The energy sector is one of the best performing sectors this year and was the worst-performing sector for April. So January, February, March, it really took off. April, not so much. It was worst. Okay? But what does that mean? I think that means it's just consolidation. I think it's getting ready to make another move. Uh, That's what I think. Now, some people and other people might think it's getting ready to make a move downward. It's hard for me to believe that, that that would happen because of the economic reality going on, right? Think about COVID. Think about the amount of money governments are spending around the world. Yeah, our government is kind of hostile to oil right now, right? We know that. Anything that, quote, unquote, is dirty energy, they're hostile to. But the world needs a lot more. Let me rephrase this. Economies in the world. They are they 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 need energy. They don't they don't have other sources. They got they can get coal, they can get natural gas, and they can get oil. Most countries don't have those three things in the ground. They don't, so they can't get it out. Most countries, certain countries have plenty. U.S. being one of them, by the way. We have the most. We have I don't know how many hundreds of years supply and. Coal and how many, how many, and natural gas, and we're we find huge deposits of uh, oil, and of course everybody hates fracking, but that's it's in shell formations, but so we can be energy independent anytime we want to be, but other countries can't do that, so they're going to be demand for oil. They need energy. The world needs energy, and and uh, clean energy is coming, but it's not here. Not going to be not going to be able to replace for. Decades, you know, natural the natural gas and oil and coal, but it is moving away from it. But I can't see demand going down, so therefore I think prices are going to go up. You've heard me told say on this show many times now that I think we're in a super cycle for commodities, meaning for the next ten years or so, commodity prices are going to be very stable and growing, and that includes oil, natural gas. I'm not convinced about coal, but probably coal too. But we'll see. We'll see. So I wouldn't be afraid of that sector. I would not. 
just my opinion. I think that we need to be we need to be and participate in that sector as well as in the other sector. Okay, let's go back to Investoc Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier. The listener was from New Jersey. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Brett from New Jersey. I'm calling to get your opinion on Pinterest. I've had my eyes on it for a while, and I woke up this morning to see a big pullback. And I'm going to buy it at the open, and I'm hoping you guys can let me know if I made a good or a bad decision. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye. This is uh, Pinterest, Inc., symbol P-I-N-S, out of San Francisco, provides a visual discovery platform that helps users discover ideas for various projects and interests. What it is, that's what they describe it as. That's not nearly enough detailed information for me. But it's a very high-growing stock. This is a growth stock. Uh, sales are growing 78% in the most recent quarter, March quarter. The 76 before that, 58% before that, 4% in the middle quarter, you know, because of that. It's going to make $1.30 next year. It's a $61 stock. So you're going to have to pay a lot of money for it. And I wouldn't do it. Too expensive. Great company, just too expensive. Okay, we are going to break, everybody. I have a trivia question. If you examine your credit card statement and see what you think is an erroneous charge, how long do you have to formally dispute the charge? And must you pay for a charge that is under dispute? After break, I will supply the answer. But for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage your investment questions, 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. The prosperous future you envision for yourself and your family will not happen without strategic planning and definitive action. I'm in my early 20s and I'm thinking of doing something that every article I read says not to. For the unprepared investor, market volatility around the world demonstrates risk. I noticed it took quite a fall. But opportunities wait for no one. And now may be the best time in years to invest wisely. We got a lot of things cooking out there that we that the market has to think about. To invest strategically. It needs to consolidate. To prevail, serious investors need a balanced combination of realistic market education and unbiased guidance. KPP Financial Principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein host a unique weekday finance and investment program and podcast, Invest Talk. Listen live or download the free podcast. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, 
then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. 888 992 4278, everybody. Before the break, I, I gave you a trivia question. If you examine your credit card statement and see that there is an erroneous charge on there, someone's, something happened, how long do you have to remedy the situation? To formally dispute it. How long? And do you have to pay for it while you're in dispute? If you see an error on your credit card, it's best to act as fast as you can, quickly, because you only have a limited window of time to dispute a credit card charge. Generally, the time limit is 60 days. Here are some other things to keep in mind. You don't have to pay for the charge that's under dispute. If you can take some time for a credit card company to resolve a dispute charge, that would be good news. It, you know, I've had several of these, and just one recently, where a charge was, you know, you know how you charge a card and they use your credit card and they keep charging it without your permission? Then you want to cancel the service? Well, quite often they try to get another month or two from you, and that's what happened to me. So you have to dispute it. 
Okay, and while it's under pending, you don't have to pay it. Okay, best thing to do is call up the per- the merchant or whoever's charging your credit card and resolve it with them and tell them to back the charge out. That's the fastest way to do it. Disputing a wrong charge with your credit card company is smart. You do it. But it's also not your only option, as I said. Okay? What is the average credit card debt per person in the United States? You know? As of January 20, 2021, the average credit card debt was $5,313 per person. Just so you know. Let's go to Mike. He wants to talk about mortgage rates in Boston. Hi, Mike. Hi, hi, Steve. How's it going? I want to thank you for hosting it's- this excellent podcast. And yes, I have a question about mortgage rates. Thank you. Sure. Uh, so as a young professional, I'm looking to purchase a home soon, but I'd like your advice resolving two conflicting themes I see in the housing market. On the one hand, 30-year fixed rates are super affordable right now, and debt is a solid hedge against inflation. But on the other hand, the housing market is severely overvalued right now, especially in Boston. So my question is, is it worth taking advantage of these interest rates if I'm just going to be putting the money toward an overvalued home? Well, then I have to ask you one more question. How long do you plan on staying in that home? About 10 years. I put it at 10 years. Then the answer would be yes. The answer would be yes. It would pay off. Because the housing market has a cycle, and it's about 10 years, maybe 15 and we're approaching the top of the, the uh, top of the cycle right now. So you're going to have a, a fade in the middle in 10 years and then another run up the next end of the cycle. And they always seem to run up higher than the previous cycle. So I'm saying you won't lose any money. You're, and it's cheap money that you're investing on a 30-year mortgage. And if you hold it long enough, you'll work out just fine for you. Meanwhile, you get to live in a house instead of paying rent receipts. You get to pay down the mortgage over all that time. So you're having a different way to save money. So the answer on a 10-year minimum is yes. And even then, if you wanted to move out, you can always rent it, hopefully get enough to pay the mortgage. Someone else pay your mortgage for you. You know, so that's what that would be my answer. I've done that, by the way, personally. So I, um, uh, My nephew, who's a professional football player, is uh, just sold his house in San Jose that he bought a couple of years ago at my advice to buy it then. His parents really didn't want him to buy it, but I told him it would be a smart thing to do. I wanted to lock up his money because he just started playing football. And he just sold the house a month ago, and he made about $300,000 in two years in San Jose. Now I'm telling him to buy another one, buy location. And it's overpriced. We all know that. But I think if you buy good location in Boston area, there's a lot of great locations. Uh, you you do it. You do it. Mortgage rates are so low. As long as you have a long term perspective, if you're going to try to make money in two years off of that, then no, I would say you don't do it. No, because I think prices be might be lower in two years. You're going to have a recession between here and ten years out. There's going to be a recession in there somewhere. Anyways, uh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate the question. As you have noticed. We try to mix in live calls with the caller questions that people leave, uh, the pre-recorded questions. So as you have, you, you probably, you can call anytime you want and leave a question. The number is 888-99-CHART. 
Hey, KPP Financial. I was just calling about a question I had for you. I am looking at my father's retirement account, who has about a little over a million dollars in the account and is nearing retirement. He's currently paid off his entire home. And I wanted to find out, after I was Googling a self-directed IRA, is it possible to create a self-directed IRA and buy your own home out of a self-directed IRA to create some liquidity from your IRA without having to truly cash out of it and buy your home that way when you're near retirement. Would appreciate any insight you have. Thank you. Bye-bye. I probably wouldn't do it if I'm near retirement, but this is what you can do. You can borrow against your IRA to buy your own house. You can borrow against your own IRA to buy your own house, not rental properties, your own house, okay? But now you gotta pay that money back to your own IRA, to yourself. You gotta set up a structure. You gotta have a a CPA firm do it, and you gotta make the payments. You don't get to slide on this. And so it's kind of hard, and I would not recommend it if you're in retirement. I, I would not, because, you know, why not just live off the million dollars? You don't have to buy a physical house unless you want to live in a physical house, but then you're going to have to make big payments to yourself. You're loaning your own self money, which you can do for buying your own house. But that's really been designed not for people in retirement, for people you know in middle age where they can't afford a house because their money's locked up in an IRA but they can borrow the money out of the IRA to buy the house. Then they got lots of years to pay back themselves. And it's a great idea, but it's complicated. It's hard. I don't know why the government makes it hard, but, you know, it's our government. If they can make it hard, it will be hard. They don't want to make things simple. It's too simple to make things simple. Let's make it hard. Anyways, um, you're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. And as you know, KPP Financial is the one who sponsors the show. That's our company. We call it KPP Financial, but the official name is Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Services, Inc. That's what it is. It's a corporation. But uh, KPP, we just like to cut it short. But that's not the official name. Anyways, at KPP, we have certain things we do. One is uh, we provide for new clients unbiased guidance. Even people who just call up and want us to give them opinion will give you an unbiased opinion, help you. We practice parallel investing, meaning I buy the same thing for myself as I do for the clients. Same time, same price, same performance in each of the various programs we have. We have like five programs. You pick one you like, and they go from very low risk to high risk. And you pick whatever level you want. We try to determine what your personal risk level is, and then we you know, talk about it with you, okay? So if you want to talk to us about it, call our PPP office in, uh, in, in Irvine, California. We'll be happy. Justin and I will talk to you. And there's no obligation. You can call. We'll just talk. That's fine. After speaking with us for about 10 minutes, you'll begin to see how Justin and I might make a difference in your portfolio's performance. So if we can help, give us a call. We want to help you. 888-99-CHART is our phone number right now for the show, Invest Talk. I am looking forward to uh, talking to you. Next up, we will play a voice bank question that came in earlier from Northern California. So hang on. That's next. Give me a minute. There is good news for loyal Invest Talk listeners, their friends, and families. 
Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hey, Stephen, Justin, my name is Doug. I'm calling from Northern California. I appreciate all your help. I have a question about iRobot. The ticker is IRBT. Uh, their revenue seems to be growing quarter after quarter. They make the uh, robotic vacuums for homes. The share price has dropped to about 110, and I believe the P.E. ratio is 21.56. Their earnings are coming up in early May, but the share price continues to drop. So I was wondering if right now is a good time to buy iRobot. Once again, the ticker is IRBT. Thank you and look forward to hearing from me. Okay, your call was when it was at $103. Now it's at $95. So it's continued to drop. And I would be, uh, I wouldn't be in a big rush to buy this. It looks like there's super strong support around oh, the high 80s. Okay, so I would wait till you see some sideways movement in the price. We had a bad day today. Um, so I think I'd, I'd wait. Has pretty good numbers, as you pointed out. Designs, robots for. Domestic chores, you know, you've seen it, I'm sure. It's a vacuum machine. Drives around itself. Sales have been doing very well. 58% in in the March quarter, 58% growth in sales. December quarter was 28%, and last September's quarters, it was 43%. Before that, the whole year before that was like between 9 and 10% growth. So it really sparked growth. I'd have to look into that and find out why and is it sustainable. But it's going to make $5.16 next year, $95 stock. So, you know, that's, what, 18 PE? And the five-year range is 16 to 64. Return equity is healthy at 16%. Cash flow is very strong. So it's got good numbers. So it's just a matter of buying it right. That's what it is. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. The symbol, by the way, is IRBT, iRobot Corporation. Looking at the clock, I see we can fit in one more listener question before the break. Bob and Indy here. Thanks again for a great show. I'm calling about ticker UNIT. I'm sitting on a really small position in the suite, about 1%, and I'm not too sure what to do at this point. It's hit a little support lately, and I've been thinking of ramping up my position as a speculative play, but, you know, it's just not making money. How would you think about this one going forward? Thanks much. Yeah, I think I caught my engineer off base there. I was supposed to do a talking point. Oh, well. Uh, U, what's it? U-M-I-T, is that what he said? U-N, I think. U-N-I-T, unit. Uh, that's the Unity Group. Uh, it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that owns and acquires, leases, communication, distribution systems in the United, system, in the United States. So REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, owns and acquires and leases communication distribution systems. Towers, maybe. Sounds like that's what it is. 
me. They're going to make a dollar sixty-three this year, dollar sixty-eight next year. It's eleven dollars stock, so it's a six PE, pretty reasonable. But it never is a high PE. The highest PE it's ever had is twelve, and the lowest is three. So it's still on the low end of the PE range. But yeah, it says it pays a five point four percent dividend. And remember, REITs have to pay ninety percent of their earnings out in the form of a dividend. So that that's probably about right. I think that's very sustainable. Sales growth, not much. It's very low single-digit sales growth. So you buy this for the the dividend, really, not growth. And it's come off its high of thirteen dollars and forty cents down to eleven oh seven in the last two or three months. Uh, it has a lot of support at ten fifty. You know, ten between ten and ten fifty, and that's where I'd be more of an ideal buy. I'd probably be patient and just wait. That's what I would do. Okay, we had some economic numbers out this week, and in the last week, uh, ISM Institute of Supply Management Services sixty two point seven. They were expecting sixty four last month. It was sixty three. Anything above fifty indicates growth. That's the services manufacturing. Manufacturing was a little bit weaker as well. Still in the 60s, so both of them are healthy numbers. Uh, and it looks like they kind of plateaued a little bit here. Uh, construction spending. That was weaker than expected, too. They expected a 1.8% growth in construction spending and only got 02 Now, I'm wondering if there's a supply problem. Remember, remember lumber? Lumber is part of construction. Numbers spiked in prices, and there's a shortage of certain things. So maybe, uh, and then you go to factory orders, they were a little weaker too. Up still 1.1%, but they thought it would be up one3 So, you know, we're seeing our economy is picking up, but it might be picking up faster than supplies can keep up with. Why, why, the, why the wood shortage? I was reading today. Well, back last March, when every when the COVID thing came, everybody, all the all the 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 forced companies shut down and sawmills shut down. They thought there'd be a shortage, and the recession, and they don't want to didn't want to be oversupplied. And it turned out they needed more supply, not less, and that caught them flat-footed. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here: to help you achieve financial freedom. That's our goal. We'll get the questions in now, 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? I'm calling to ask your opinion on an ETF called XLI. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 
Hey, Justin and Steve, it's Alex from Philly. Uh, listen to the show, I really enjoy it. I had two questions for you. One, you know, I like your view of the commodities market in the future, especially with all the infrastructure planned and electric vehicles going up. So I was looking at copper. My question for you is, is it too late to try to ride the wave of copper? I see the prices appreciated a lot in the last year. And two, where can I find a good copper play? I was looking at FCX and maybe COPX as an ETF for it. Just love to get your thoughts on it. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, the FCX is Freeport McMoran. We've talked about that a number of times getting into it. Uh, it's had a great move. Um, I think copper is going to keep going up in price. Okay, let me say it that way. Now, will it correct? Will it have a bounce? Everything, nothing moves in a straight line. Everything has a correction. I would wait for the correction. I mean, even Freeport McMoran, if you look at the chart and you say, well, when, does it, when did it have a correction? Well, it had a correction in March. Correction in March, just take a look at the chart. It went from a high of $39 at uh, in February to a low of $29 in March. Today it's at 41 So it's at a new 52-week high. It's a breakout. I don't know where it's going to go. It's usually higher when it breaks out. Now the, the next support line, if, if it comes down, is $39, $40. But, but, you know, I, as I said, I think we're in the super cycle. That means years. So you'll have an opportunity. Don't be in a big rush and try to find a good spot. Remember, the market's going to correct. You know, just don't be afraid of it when it happens. A lot of people get afraid. They don't invest. And then they see it run up like we see it now, and they say, oh, should I get in now? Well, where would you, you know? This is what, that's why you have a watch list of stocks. You write down what you would like to buy it at. And you look at a chart. That will help you decide, well, if it comes down to here, I'll buy it here. You know, or if it goes up to here, I buy it there. Or even selling. So you, you don't try to act in the moment. Try to act when you're totally rational and fear and greed is not driving you. And that's when you're not in the stock. Because you don't have you're not you don't have any skin in the game. You're just looking at it. Write down what you're waiting for to get in. You know you don't want to be one of those people that has paralysis by analysis, but you don't do anything because you're still looking at it. You're still analyzing. You're still trying to figure it out. That does not work very good. Does not. Did you hear about the chip shortage? I'm sure you have heard about the chip shortage for automobiles. I had a lady call me about that or send me an email. I said, I don't think it's going to really hurt the auto industry necessarily. Well, maybe I was a little premature. Maybe it's going to hurt the auto industry. Uh, because uh, right now, Ford Super Duty trucks, they have 22,000 of them sitting waiting to be finished. They're all finished, up. they need chips. And every auto company has a chip shortage. Now, it's not going to stop them from selling. This just means they're not going to have as much. And they're going to have too much inventory because they have demand. They can't get the supply out there. Well, what happened? Well, apparently there was a big chip company in uh, Japan. Hold on a sec. A big chip factory in Japan that caught on fire. And that factory is mostly geared for automobile. This is a month or two ago, a couple, three months ago. That place won't be up and running full, full steam uh, for until June or July. And demand for these vehicles are going up. So, produces a shortage. 
I think we're going to see. And remember, we had just in time, and we had an interruption in supply chain, and yeah, you, you know, we're at a time where it's kind of unusual. So you're going to see spot shortages in different industries, like lumber, you know, like these chips, you know, that's what we're dealing with. But it looks like there is a real problem in the auto industry with the ships. So she was right when she called me that, will this affect the auto companies? It's going to. I just don't know if it's going to destroy their earnings. Not. They're still going to make money and good money. Okay, I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about us. It's all free, free podcast downloads. It will be available shortly after this show at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com. You can browse on the podcast topics as well. 401ks, cryptocurrency, treasury yields, real estate, whatever you want. So tell your friends. Tell them how they can do that. Independent thinking, share success. This is InvestTalk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.